Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins King, and you are listening to the Thy Neighbor podcast. This is part two of Sarah Whitley's interview. If you have not yet listened to part one, please pause, go and listen to that one first, then come back. Sarah's interview has definitely impacted many people. I'm so grateful for the comments. If you think of somebody while listening to part two who could benefit from this message, please send both part one and part two to those who could be blessed by it. During the interview, you will hear me asking Sarah, can you be codependent on God? You'll also hear her answer. A couple days after the interview, she texted me further clarifying her thoughts on the topic. I want to share her answer because I feel like it's so insightful and it speaks to the fact that Sarah ponders things out in her heart and we can all learn from her example. She says, I think that depends on our understanding of God and how open and honest we are being with him and with ourselves. I do feel very strongly that we can have a codependent relationship with the church and with the scriptures if we are using them to numb out needing to be honest with ourselves and what is going on in our hearts. One example would be using the church for our sense of safety and protection, rather than feeling that that comes directly from God and trusting Him. Maybe we don't trust Him, so we trust the church instead. It is avoiding what is really going on in our hearts. With the scriptures, We may use them to numb out feelings of sadness rather than going to God and exploring with Him those feelings of sadness. We may also, deep down, not like ourselves and read scriptures to check off the list that we are a good person that day. Those would be codependent ways we we seek sources outside of ourselves. We may love the words of the prophets and apostles, but never use those words to go directly to Him to then receive our own personal revelation. I feel deeply that our relationship with God is not determined by our relationship to the church. We may be in good standing in the church, but fail to open our hearts to Him and actually trust Him. It all ultimately depends on how open and honest our relationship is with ourselves and with God. Enjoy the interview. How did you reconcile that you had felt good about getting married? And the question was, do you trust the atonement? How have you made peace with that? Oh, it was not a, not a fast process. It was definitely a long drawn out process of me forgiving myself, forgiving a lot of self-forgiveness played into that for a long time felt that if I was to get a divorce or give up on him in a sense that I had failed, that I had failed at our marriage, that I had failed at our family And a lot of that was with this idea that I was there to fix or save him. So in the process of realizing what love truly is, that love isn't trying to fix anybody else. Love isn't trying to save anybody else. That's codependency. And that's Satan's counterfeit for the true love of Christ who loves us exactly how we are. That once I started to, I guess, identify the codependency within myself and set boundaries for myself and do things out of love for myself, it was easier to let go. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I, that, that's great. I just, I think I, I can see how many of us can suffer from regret and we can feel like, Oh, why did I make this decision when I 
there may have been plenty of red flags or there may have been reasons why I didn't have enough information or whatever, but I did. And how do I make peace with that now? Yes. So along those same lines, there are things that I feel like were miracles in the situation and that God was definitely aware of us. And I think recognizing those miracles that we are called to do hard things like this life is our testing ground. And I honestly believe, sorry, I'm going to tear up that um, him and I made promises to each other prior to coming to earth. I really feel that he became one of my greatest, (laughs) he was my refining fire. (laughs) The experience was my refining fire. And I do believe that he agreed to put me through that. And I agreed to it as well prior to coming to earth, that God knew that I needed these experiences to change the course of my life. Um, I do feel like this experience um, has meant so much. When I started going to group, the other ladies were, they'd been in it longer and they would talk about how their husband's addiction was their biggest blessing, their greatest blessing. And I thought that they were insane. How could this possibly be the situation? Like these guys are crazy. I am suffering. I'm in so much pain right now. How could they be grateful for this? And so in the process of me changing and growing, I also have developed a deep sense of gratitude for my husband's addiction. He was there to wake me up. I was walking blindly in a lot of ways and it's opened my heart. This therapist, her name is Chris, and she often says, what breaks your heart open is your greatest blessing because it breaks it open in a way that we can then, God can heal it. Too often we put too many shields around our our hearts to protect them but it also doesn't allow him into our heart. And so what breaks that heart open ultimately becomes our greatest blessing. There were several miracles that happened in the process. I knew that God was with me through all of it. And when I finally had an idea and direction of the steps I needed to take and saw myself growing, I became very grateful um, that it had happened. I recognized that I could have, <laughs> I could have married somebody else. And it could have been a fine relationship. It could have been pleasant, but my codependent tendencies still would have been there. And ultimately it's still, it might've been an okay marriage, but it wouldn't have been a healthy marriage in the ways that I needed to, that God knew I needed to wake up to heal myself, to turn to him so that the next relationship I have is going to be completely different. Um, And I, I know that he needed to experience things and that I was the only one that could pull him through those things. Um, He, during the time that we were married and that he joined the church um, was probably the happiest time of his life. Um, It was this time where he had a relationship with God that he hadn't before he was clean. It was the longest period of his sobriety for the most part, since he had started using, he got to experience life with a wife and kids um, in a way that he never had before. He got his ordinances he worked hard and he did that. There are things that he accomplished in that time period that at this point serve him uh, so much more being on the other side, having passed on that he would never be able to. Otherwise he's made those covenants. And although he has his own healing to do, and that healing is taking place now on the other side, instead of on this side, he will be able to help so many of his own family members on the other side, having had his Um, temple work done. He got his patriarchal blessing during that time. And I think it also gave 
the boys a glimpse that life didn't have to be the way that they always lived it. And I hope that that still entails. I know that they are still living a very rough life, but I hope that it gives them a glimmer of hope that life doesn't have to be that way, that there are different ways to do things and that the choices that we make impact the life, that it's not a hopeless situation. So there were lots of good things that came from the situation, lots of blessings and miracles, I think, for both of us. And I think we both worked to fulfill our end of the deal so that we could experience what we needed to for our own personal growth uh, while we were here on earth. How did he end up dying? Yeah, so he had relapsed. He was back in the state of Wisconsin and just still struggling, same patterns. But I think having lost his family, having lost me, having lost these other things, he was in it deeper. His same patterns of being in and out of jail, of using, of relapsing, of trying to get clean, but not really caring enough at this point. He had overdosed a couple times, was brought back. He didn't actually die of an overdose. It was suicide, but he was just so hopeless in the situation. And I really feel like he had stopped progressing here, that he needed to be able to move on to continue progressing. And God was aware of that. I think God is so merciful on us. He knows, he knows us. He knows what we've been through. Christ is the only one who has experienced all that we experience. And I think he doesn't look on us with judgment. I think he looks on us with so much mercy and compassion because he knows of all those unmet needs that we've had throughout our lives and all the wounds that we have that are just part of this mortal battlefield. This is a war. It's the war of heaven continued here. And no one experiences earth life unscathed. Christ is our healer and he is here precisely for that. Like that is his role. The atonement is to heal. It's to mend the brokenhearted. Talks about Christ being the balm of Gilead that heals. That is him. And it's our relationship with him that heals us. I know it sounds like a series of tragic events, but I really feel like there is so much success in all of this. This is what our earth life is about. It is about facing and going through hard things so that we can be refined. And it is about experiences that, yes, create wounds in us, but so that we can allow God and Christ to heal those so that we can turn to him when we can't turn to anybody else and that he can heal us. And it's amazing through this healing process, how I change and how I am changing that we become new creatures in him through letting him heal us and through being open and honest with him. It's just been this incredible journey It's given me new eyes to see. Yes, I have struggled to forgive him, but I also see things different. I'm not here to condemn him. That is not my job. It's not anybody's job to condemn anybody else. We don't know what they've been through and we don't know. It's easy for us to say that somebody else should be making choices or should be doing things differently. But in all honesty, we are all doing the best we know how to do at the time. And so extending grace and compassion is so incredible. And that's what Christ does. He doesn't condemn us. He is there to extend grace and compassion to us in the worst moments of our life. And even if we are repeat offenders with the same sins, he just wants us to know that he loves us and that we can go to him at any point. Also in regards to change, I know that you have experienced a mighty change within yourself. 
have other people noticed the change in you or I kind of am curious about that have you or do you feel like it's just been an inside you know the change more than it of course anyone else does that is a great question so obviously it is an inside change and I know and feel that change more than anybody else but it is recognizable (laughs) I had the opportunity to speak in state conference actually about a week ago, and my bishop, who I've known throughout this whole process, he was the elders quorum president when my husband went to treatment, and he's the bishop now. And he just texted me afterwards and he said, You know, you are not poor little Sarah who was the victim of these other things happening to her. He's like, You have changed and you have become this like strong courageous woman. And it was so validating to hear. I felt that change in myself. Um, I have some coworkers that have also just been sounding boards throughout this whole thing. And they often tell me how much I have changed that I'm a different person. I feel it in myself. I feel it in my level of confidence. It's a visual change, I think, (laughs) as well as an internal change. Obviously it's more internal than external, But it's crazy how the healing process spreads. I have conversations with my family, my parents. My dad also points out, you know, just growth in me. It's nice to hear that, right? We don't always see our own change or growth, but when other people can point that out, it's so reassuring and validating that, yes, I am changing. Um, I think also we have moments where I respond to things different than I used to. I And when I have those moments, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so validating. I still have things come up that I'm working through, but I was even reminded the other day as I had some things surface and the revelation I got was just that this is not where you're at. It's where you've been. It's not where you're at, but it's reminding you where you've come from. Um, How I feel about myself is completely different. I am learning to love myself. I deeply feel that God loves me. And it took me a long time to get to that point. I thought I was being punished for not doing things right for not checking the boxes that we sometimes feel like our worth is determined by. And it has been amazing process of that. I am loved and it's okay for me to love myself and it's okay for me to do things that are what's best for me. So yeah, it's, it's a great journey. I recommend it for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like also there is in my mind, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's kind of like codependency, like trying to get external validation for a change that we know is internal. (laughs) Yes. Even me, I was listening to this. I'm thinking like, oh, wow, that's insightful for me too. But I guess it is nice to hear of things being validated outside of ourselves just to remind us. And I'm grateful you had that experience of contrast where God was like, this is where you were and this is where you are now. Do you see the difference so that you know, my child, what you have done with me, like what we've done together? Right. And I love that you just said, it's what we've done together. It is a co-creation. Like there's no way I could have gotten through this on my own, but he was right there with me. And it has been this co-creation of my soul, which he does with all of us. You know, we all, he pulls us through hard things to co-create who he's always intended for us to be and who he sees as this final, not even final. He sees us now like that. He sees the end from the beginning and he sees us how we are becoming. And there's the the next question that comes to me is like, can we become codependent on God? Is there, or, or is that just a co-creation? Because I feel like God is open to our codependence because he can actually heal us. Well, I think as he heals us, we, we become less codependent. 
because we're not seeking outside stuff, but there's nothing wrong with going to him. He is our source. He's our creator. Like it's us connecting with him that is not codependent. It's us trying to fill that void that he fills in us through other people or circumstances or things. So the codependency is outward that way. If we are connecting inward and with him, then no, that's not codependency because we were created to be filled by him. And so turning to him is what counteracts that codependency. And as you look forward to like a new relationship with in a healthy relationship with somebody, I I can see it myself. I'm hearing you say things and I'm like, oh, wow. I, you know, wanting my spouse to behave a specific way or do a specific thing, like even trying to control how he manages his business or something like that. Like, oh, you should do it this way. Like do it now or whatever it may be. And there's that part of me that thinks I have to be open to the people in my life and in my inner circle failing and letting them do their thing. <laughs> and I don't know, how, how do you feel like you're doing that or how are you practicing that now with your relationship with your daughter or with those around you? Well, my daughter's four, so we definitely have our controlled, you know, our little battles. She, she's wonderful. And I think she helps me in the process of reminding me that I can't control her. I can set boundaries and learning to set healthy boundaries is huge. There's a, there have been several books that I've read in this process. There's a book my sister had recommended once called letting go. And I feel like with each book, I get a different aha moment. So I have several other books that I have different aha moments with, but in this one, it was this idea that we don't know what's best for anybody else that ultimately what's best for them is between them and God. And that they are going to know half the time, we don't even know what's best for us. How are we supposed to tell somebody else what's best for them? Right. But the way he had phrased it, it was really recognizing and honoring each other's journey where they are at. And so that's kind of a phrase that I have, I try to (laughs) try to use. I'm not perfect at it by any means. I definitely still have my opinions about things, but I think recognizing that I don't know what's best for anybody else, that ultimately God does, that he has a plan for them and he is working on and through them just as much as he is working on and through me. So I, it's, I think it takes us to a new level of trust when we have to trust that they know what's best for them, even if it means failing, even if it means doing things differently than we would. It's trusting them as well and honoring exactly where they're at on this journey that there's really no... I was going to say no failing because ultimately we learn from the experience and God is, I think he thinks so much less of success and failure is so differently than we do that the experience itself, even if it looks like a failure on the outside is a huge success to him. If we've gained what we've needed to from that situation. So I think really just for myself, trying to recognize that I don't know what's best for anybody else, that that is between them and God, God is working on and through them just as much as he is with me. And it's my job to honor where they are at in their journey, no matter where that is. You have talked to me about healthy and emotionally impaired family systems. Yes. Tell us what it is and why that has been so helpful. Okay. So in my lovely group, 
We got two. She recommended different books um, right off the start. So Codependent No More was the first one. And she also recommends this book, Bradshaw on the Family. So John Bradshaw, who is leading in the time, but he really breaks down family systems as to emotionally impaired family systems or dysfunctional family systems and healthy family systems. And it has been so awe-opening to me. So a huge part of it is that every family system, every family unit has their own set of rules that they live by. The expectations, what you talk about, what you don't talk about, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. And sometimes those can be really healthy. And sometimes those can be detrimental um, to our emotional health. So with that shame kind of becomes the, the base or the difference between an emotional family system and an unhealthy one. And that when things are shame-based or we try to control one another's behavior or basically a codependent family system, right? Versus a family system where people are allowed to feel their feelings, whether or not we agree with them. People are allowed to have their own opinions, whether or not we agree with them, where we kind of can honor each other as a family and as parts of the family, even if it's different or maybe even the black sheep of the family, right? An emotionally healthy family system allows for each individual to have their own place, their own growth, and roles are going to shift within that family system. And that's healthy. An emotionally dysfunctional family system or emotionally impaired family system has a set of rules that is shame-based, that is very controlling. It tends to not allow for us to feel our own feelings. That if a child's crying, for example, and it's this idea of, oh, stop crying, that's not worth crying over. You know what I mean? Um, That we don't honor what they're feeling or what they're going through or what they're experiencing. And then lots of times that child interprets it like, oh, I'm bad if I'm crying. I'm not allowed to cry. I'm not allowed to feel the way I need to feel. I'm not allowed to think the way I think. Um, And so... It's, it's been eye-opening to me to recognize just in my own family growing up, how that impacted, you know, just my own set of family rules and not that everything's good or bad. It tends to be healthy or unhealthy. Does that make sense? So we all make mistakes and we all come from different family systems and some are going to be healthier than others. Are boundaries accepted and respected or not? But it was a game changer for me. So one of the things that he talks about, so I guess my huge takeaway from this book was he dives deep into family systems, what they look like, and then how that becomes the root of us growing up as these wounded adults who then don't know how to function healthily in society or in other ways, right? Or in our marriages after we grew up in this family system that didn't allow for us to be ourselves. And we kind of self-abandoned to feel loved. But he talks about these, these family systems and their rules. And then he talks about the importance of like a 12-step program or a support group where you get to involve yourself in a different set of rules within a family, where you get to be open, where you get to be honest, where you get to be loved and accepted with your openness and honesty and just the way you are and with whatever you're going through. And that that is what breaks down the set of rules that we live by, that we grew up with, that we've carried with us and that we continue to live by unless we start to break those rules in a sense by living by a new set of healthy rules. How are you applying that in your family, in your current family system? In my current family system, as a parent or just with my family of origin as well? You decide. Okay, (laughs) perfect. So with my daughter, 
the way I parent is definitely different than the way my parents parented. Growing up, I felt like a lot of my worth and love was based on performance. Um, And I know that my dad felt the same way from his dad. You know what I mean? Like it trickles down generationally unless we break these cycles and unless we create a new set of rules and heal ourselves. And so I felt kind of never enough that I felt like it was all based on what I did. I wasn't really allowed to feel my emotions. I was a wimp if I cried, you know, just things that I've carried with me and then have really struggled to be vulnerable and let people in and open up to that because I felt like I would be rejected if they saw the real me. So at this point, as I'm learning to be okay with the real me and learning to love and accept myself and face some hard parts about myself, I still have things I need to face and fix and but I'm okay with them. It doesn't make me bad. It just means it's where I'm at on my journey. So as a parent, I am a lot more gentle with my daughter. I want her to know that no matter what she does, I am here for her, that I love her. I, it took me a long time to understand parenting without shaming the way that I was raised, the way that things were phrased was definitely shame-based. And so it took me a long time. I just, I didn't understand, well, how do you parent without shaming a child? You know what I mean? Um, And so it took me quite a while to understand what that meant. And so my interactions with her are, are a lot different. I'm okay setting boundaries with her, but she's not responsible for my feelings. And I don't want her to be, feel responsible for my feelings. I think a lot of times growing up, if my parents were upset, I felt like I needed to do something to fix that. And I don't want her to feel responsible for my feelings. I am a grown woman. I'm working on healing myself. And I think this is where that process becomes so imperative that whatever I don't heal um, gets transferred onto her and that she carries that on. And so um, I want her to know that she is loved. I'm uh, very intentional with my interactions that I ultimately, how I interact with her affects how she feels about herself. Um, It doesn't mean we can't say no. It's okay to say no. But at the same time, I sit with her and I'm like, yeah, it's really hard. Sometimes life's disappointing and we don't get things the way we want. And it's okay to feel disappointed and it's okay to feel upset. But the answer right now is still no. So it's taking an approach with empathy with her. I know sometimes my parents don't quite know how to handle when she's got big emotions and I'm okay with her big emotions at this point. It's taken me a long time to get comfortable with those, but it's, it's my own process. So with my family of origin, I think I'm a little better at standing up for myself when things are said that I don't necessarily agree with. <laughs> my poor dad, he's probably gotten the brunt of that. But I have had some pretty open and honest conversations with him about why I parent the way I do and why I want to do it differently. And and I've been amazed at how open and responsive he's been to that. I'm really proud of my parents. I know it's sometimes hard to hear those things as a parent when you did the best you could. And they don't want to hear that some of those things impacted me in negative ways, but the reality of it is they did. And I am going to do things that are going to impact my daughter in negative ways. And I just have to come to terms with that. That's part of the human experience and us doing the best we can. But I've been so appreciative of my parents and their responsiveness to my growth and my change. And I think had they not seen such a difference in me, they may not be responsive to Sometimes me bringing up things that they don't necessarily want to hear, but I think at this point they're starting to expect me to stand up for myself and set boundaries a little differently. So it's good. It's good growth. Do you want to give us another book book recommendation and a favorite quote? 
Okay. Um, yeah. So the first book I recommend is the on the family or Bradshaw on the family. That was a huge game changer in just helping me see kind of the root causes of everything that was going on in my life, kind of those root causes of addiction and how we cope with what ultimately stems from these short years of childhood that we're in a family system and how that impacts us. Um, and then what we can do to change it. I I think the first half of the book might sound super depressing as you get deep into the troubles of a dysfunctional family system. But by the second half of the book, as he talks about what you can do about that and how that changes things, it's it's kind of amazing. That was a huge eye-opener to me. The second book is called Boundaries, and it's by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. Um, so this book was also a game changer for me. It opened my eyes to where... Um, me as a human being began and ended and where somebody else, like where I ended and they began. Um, it kind of defined for me the different responsibilities um, that sometimes I was taking on way more responsibilities and those weren't my responsibilities. And it's okay for me to scale that back and say, actually, I'm not, that's not my job. That's not what I'm here for. Or, you know what I mean? Just really looking out for what's really mine to own and letting them take care of their their own struggles. I feel like one of the things growing up is I would take on a lot of blame. I felt like if I just agreed, um, like if my parents were complaining about something, I would just say, oh, that's my fault. Oh, that's my fault. And I would just take this on me so that it would kind of shut them up in the moment, I guess, right? <laughs> um, but I, I realized I ultimately did them a huge disservice by doing that. I didn't let them own up to what was theirs to own up to um, by taking it on and trying to make everything better. That I stunted kind of their growth as parents in that process. And I didn't know any better. But I think this book, as far as boundaries, was just a huge eye opener as to how to use boundaries, how to set boundaries, what boundaries are, what they mean, and how God uses boundaries with us. He is not a codependent God. He is okay with our emotions. He is okay with us coming to him in anger, but he sets boundaries with us and natural consequences. And, and there's nothing wrong with us learning how to do that here on earth. And then the last book, my sisters and I are actually doing a little book club on that. It's called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. She is amazing. And I think this has been the book of recognizing how we all struggle with self-worth. Oh, look at you. You've got it right there. Awesome. Yes. I love this book. And she breaks it down into the how to's. How do you start loving yourself again? How does that impact different areas of your life? How do you talk to yourself and how does that impact you? And, and just how to make those little changes along the way. So it's been, those are my three book recommendations and they have been game changers for me. So do you want to share a quote? Oh, I actually have a right. Can I ask you for one? Okay. <laughs> in this book, You Can Heal Your Life, page 206 on mine, but it's the deep at the center of my being. There is an infinite well of love. Have you read that quote yet? Oh my goodness. You know what? I don't know that I have. I've listened to it on audiobook multiple times and that's what I do each week. So um, yeah, let me, I would love to read this. Deep at the center of my being, there is an infinite well of love. Yeah, it's going to make me cry. <laughs> I now allow this love to flow to the surface. It fills my heart, my body, my mind, my consciousness, my very being and radiates out from me in all directions and returns to me multiplied. The more 
Love I use and give, the more I have to give. The supply is endless. The use of love makes me feel good. It is an expression of my inner joy. I love myself, therefore, I take loving care of my body. I lovingly feed it nourishing food and beverages. I lovingly groom it and dress it. And my body lovingly responds to me with vibrant health and energy. I love myself, therefore, I provide for myself a comfortable home, one that fills all my needs and is a pleasure to be in. I fill my the rooms with the vibration of love so that all who enter, myself included, will feel this love and be nourished by it. I love myself, therefore, I work at a job that I truly enjoy doing, one that uses my creative talents and abilities, working with and for people that I love and that love me, and earning a good income. I love myself, therefore, I behave and think in a loving way to all people, for I know that that which I give out returns to me multiplied. I only attract loving people in my world, for they are a mirror of what I am. I love myself, therefore, I forgive and totally release the past and all of the experiences, and I am free. I love myself, therefore, I live totally in the now experiencing each moment as good and knowing that my future is bright and joyous and secure for I am a beloved child of the universe and the universe lovingly takes care of me now and forevermore. And so it is.